Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. The is coming to you live on this edition of Hanging with Harley. We have with us the man of the hour who needs no introduction. It is Harley Schlanger. You can find him over at LaRoucheOrganization.com, the LaRoucheOrganization.com, as well as the Schiller Institute.com, Schiller Institute.com. And with that being said, Harley, how are you? I'm doing pretty well. I'm, I'm back in Potsdam after an extended period of some travel, just trying to recover my uh, getting back in the right time frame, the right time schedule. But uh, very excited about the some of the developments occurring in the world. It's it's a dangerous situation, yeah. but we're seeing reactions that you would expect when people finally realize that we're about to see the end of an era and nothing clear yet to replace it. Mm. When you say the end of an era, what, what exactly are you, are you uh, referring to, Harley? I'm referring to what some people call the petrodollar era. Oh, the, yes. The, the uh, Seoul superpower era. Uh, yes. Pakistani <laughs> television show. And, and the usual thing that happens with Pakistan is that they start talking about how bad India is. <laughs> And so I, I keep intervening by saying they were praising Blinken for making. Oh my this, God! Well, he said the U.S. is going to re- restore a robust relationship with Pakistan, and I said when Blinken says that, you better get in the bomb shelter. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be robust. Of, yeah, exactly. And I, get... <laughs> I well, I, I pointed out that the reason that they're he said the same thing to India. He said that. There are few relations more vital for the United States than that between the U.S. and India. Yeah. Now, meanwhile, what's the U.S. policy? It's to go for war with Russia and China. Now, India is allied with Russia, Pakistan with China, and the Russians are trying to get all four of them together as part of a new financial system. Sure. Me- meanwhile, we're seeing these reports coming out about 44 nations heading toward default the IMF does not have enough resources to bail them all out. So what they're talking about is giving them interest to cover the debt to keep them current on the interest, but then imposing draconian austerity. Well, and when I pointed this out, the, the, the two Pakistani military people who were on the panel with me both said, yes, we've seen this before. And I said, so don't fall for it. Join <laughs> with us to establish a new financial system. The Russians and Chinese are moving in that direction. Then one of the Pakistani generals brought up the trip of the five U.S. congressmen to Taiwan Taiwan. Mm. and said, isn't this the same game they're trying to play with Ukraine? The difference being that Taiwan does not have the equivalent of Western Europe on its border to help bail them out. Correct. So what we're seeing is governments around the world waking up. One of the other examples of this was when Blinken was in South Africa and he was pushing the South Africans to reject Russia. And the South African foreign minister said, don't come here to bully us. We have a right to choose what we're going to do. 
if you have some things you want to talk to us about, do that, but don't try to bully us. And the U.S. State Department tried to portray this as an honest, open dialogue, when in mm. fact, Blinken went out of there with his tail between his legs. <laughs> That's what I mean by the end of an era. Yes. Then we're seeing such things as the, the Ukrainian so-called Committee to Combat Disinformation, which targeted 30 people who participated in Schiller Institute events as war criminals of the 72 they named as Russian operatives. And we got them to send a letter to the Ukrainian government demanding they retract it. And what do you think happened? The Ukrainian government took this, the hit list off their website. Now, the reason for that is that they didn't expect that individuals like Ray McGovern or, or uh, Scott Ritter would come to the defense of the LaRouche organization, but they did. Scott Ritter, in fact, issued a very strong condemnation of Chuck Schumer, saying that one of the people on the hit list is Diane Sayre, who's the LaRouche candidate in New York State running against Schumer, and that Schumer is demonstrating his contempt for free speech. So the fact that people stood up this time uh, provided a capability yeah. to fight back against this kind of corruption. Now we'll see what happens around the whole Trump situation. You know, in a certain sense, I think uh, people can see that this is an attempt to keep Trump from running in 2024. It's an attempt to continue the ongoing slanders against him, which has a potential for a backfire. But I think it's important to note that Trump could have done something to protect himself from this by bringing up the LaRouche case, the, the uh, case of uh, uh, Snowden, yeah. and also the Assange case. He could have done more to declassify documents that Radcliffe gave him. He could have done more to move against the deep state. And I think that people who are saying, well, he didn't do it because he didn't want it to look like he's uh, uh, react, overreacting, I think that's a weak excuse. If you're going to pick a fight with the deep state, you'd better be prepared to have all your ammunition in order and ready to go. And he didn't do it. Too many excuses mm. for Trump, Harley. Way too many excuses. Yeah. Now, he could do it now, but I don't think he will. No. No. I, I, I agree with you. I don't think he will now. He had so much of an opportunity um, on his way out to really throw a monkey wrench into the deep state and he and he just didn't like you know and that that that's the frustrating thing here there were so many swamp creatures like he talks about draining the swamp but then you have swamp creatures like bolton in there and well, Bolton is the most obvious bolton is now going head first against trump and then who's embracing trump the, one of the people embracing trump right now is bannon who's yeah. caused a lot of damage to trump yep exactly so, correct you know, i think He's got to figure out who his real allies are. I, I think people like uh, Roger Stone represents a, an honest, legitimate fighter. Uh, he made Roger twist in the wind till the last minute. So, you know, I think the important thing is not to put your faith in Trump, put it in the American people, but at the same time, kick the American people in the rear end because we've tolerated too much nonsense from the globalists, from the central bankers, from the private bankers and financial institutions. You know, I, I just saw a report. This is a fascinating report, V. P 
people talk about Gates and others buying up farmland in the United States. Yeah. You know who's buying up farmland in Ukraine? Zelensky in 2021 issued a land reform and farmland was brought up, bought up by Cargill, by uh, Vanguard, by uh, BlackRock. Wow. But the, this is the best farmland in the world. Zelensky's selling it to these companies and they're turning the Ukrainians into wage slaves in the field. That's the kind of patriot and freedom lover Zelensky is. It's incredible when you're seeing that the very resources that has made your country so wealthy and so rich being given over to multinationals who don't care about your people. And this and, and Zelensky doesn't care. He's a sick individual. He's an absolute de degenerate sick individual. He has a mansion in Miami. He's got a, you know, a nice little setup in Tel Aviv. He does not care at all. Actually, and what is he doing? Send more money to Ukraine, please. Here's the list. Cargill, DuPont, Monsanto uh, bought up the equivalent of um, almost the size of the state of Iowa in terms of farmland in Ukraine. Unbelievable. And the, the funding for it is coming from BlackRock and Vanguard. Unbelievable. So, and in the meantime, what are those companies doing? They're working to cause the speculation from the Chicago Mercantile Exchange by saying that the land is out of out of production, it's not going to be harvested, it's not going to be shipped, which is all a lie. They've used Correct. that to jack up the prices and blame it on Putin. Yep, exactly. And then while they do that and destroy the natural crops that are there, you know, Cargill, Monsanto, they're going to come right in with GMO crops. That's exactly what they're going to do. Well, and that's, these are the same people who are displacing American farmers and farmers in France and Germany and the Netherlands in conjunction with the green policy, which, of course, people like Gates and, and these others all support to shut down farm production, to create deliberate food shortages, drive the prices up, uh, putting the hand, the, the concentrating the world food supply in the hands of these greedy, immoral cartels. This is a form of feudalism. Now, yeah. I just have to remind people, if they don't remember, it was August 15th, 1971, that is 51 years ago, that Nixon was, was essentially blackmailed by Schultz, Volcker, Arthur Burns, and others mm -hmm. into putting an end to the gold reserve behind the dollar, sure. ending the fixed exchange and the capital uh, protection of the, the U.S. policy. So that we went into a casino economy, a floating exchange rate, handing the reins over to the Soroses and the city of London to drive the dollar so that it will only go into speculation, not in the physical economy. This is what LaRouche at the time said was a feudal policy. It's a corporatist policy, and he named it what it is, the Yalmar shocked policy. And if people don't know who shocked was, he was the guy that the British imposed on Germany in 1923 to shut down the hyperinflation by yeah. creating massive unemployment. Then when those unemployed joined the communists and the, the Nazis and were engaged in street brawls for years until Hitler was brought in, Schacht became Hitler's finance minister with full support of the Rockefellers, the Rothschilds, the London bankers, uh, Montague Norman, the head of the Bank of England, and that's what LaRouche said was being put in place when they brought down the Bretton Woods system in 1971. Yeah. 
Right. Now we've been for 50 years, had a 50 year arc of deindustrialization, privatization, uh, of green policy that's about to shipwreck entirely what's left of the world's physical economy. And that's what we have to mobilize to fight. Agreed. You know, I find it incredible that the thing that ended the first uh, feudalism in Europe was the pneumonic plague, right? Or the bubonic plague, I think it was, right? The plague, the Black Death is what caused the end of feudalism and the rise of the middle class. And, you know, and now here we are, we have this pandemic that occurred, which is now is ushering in a new neo-feudalism. It's incredible, Harley. Well, the, the feudalism was, was there before the pandemic, obviously. Oh, yes. The, the impulse for it. But actually, there's one important point there. that When you talk about the end of the feudal period, there's someone that very few people are familiar with named Nicholas, Cardinal Nicholas of Cusa, uh, Cusanos. He was the one who pulled together the Council of Florence in 1437, which put forward for the first time the idea that no government is legitimate unless it takes into account the interests of its people, the general welfare of its population. And this became a concept which was very much behind the emergence of the Renaissance, the idea that it's human creativity supported by whether it's the Medicis, whether it's Louis XI of France, Henry VII of England, the idea that the government must play a role to ensure that the wealth of society is used for the benefit of the population as opposed for the feudal lords. And of course, this was the fight in Europe from the 14, middle of the 1400s until the American Revolution. And the American Revolution was the first fully successful Republican movement, constitutional movement, to put an end to these these feudal type policies. Now, you're right, the middle class was part of the emergence with the Renaissance, with the establishment of the nation state uh, and the principle of the nation state. But it wasn't until our constitution that there was a legitimate government governing document which put those principles to work. And that's what's under attack and has been under attack since it was signed in seven and ratified in 1788-1789. And the people who were the enemy then are the same financial institutions today, maybe some different people and different families, but the same intent to prevent sovereign states from acting against global control of finance and trade. Yep, absolutely. Very well said. Harley, where, where do you think things are going to be heading right now as, uh, you know, Germany? Europe is literally about to run out of energy. You have the situation here in the United States with uh, not only the, the elections coming up for the midterms. It is an absolute, looks like a storm, the beginning of a storm. What's your take, Harley? Well, I think we're going to have a hot autumn, and I think it's going to start in Europe with the farm sector. Uh, as soon as the farmers finish their harvesting, they're promising to be out in the streets and in the, the halls of government every single day. The Dutch farmers are finally in touch with the German farmers, the Spanish farmers, the Italian farmers. I'm going to be on an Italian television show this Sunday night talking about this. We're seeing an, a merger of 
very uh, uh, various numbers of anti-government groups, some of which have more legitimacy than others. But I think the farmers in particular represent a, a moral litmus test. Farmers don't really farm to make lots of money. They farm out of moral principle. They want to provide food. And if the economy is organized properly, they'll make a good living. But farmers right now are being squeezed and, and losing everything. Uh, yeah. So when the farm sector rebels, you're seeing in Italy, the taxi drivers joining them. In, in France, the firefighters are joining them. Now, Germany is a different question because Germany is so screwed up on this green policy. You know, the, the economics minister in Germany is a guy named Robert Habeck. And he's basically saying they're going to add a 2,000 euro per household tax on top of the hyperinflated already uh, energy prices, a 2,000 per household tax to be paid between the end of October and March to force people to use less electricity. Now, if this is a cold oh winter, God. if this is a cold winter, as they're projecting, what's the government saying? Make sure you stock up on candles. If you have a wood-burning stove, get firewood. Otherwise, look up where the government, the army, is going to set up shelters. This is an incredible situation. Will the Germans meekly accept it? Of course they will. Well, it looks like they might. Yeah. But we're going to do everything we can to change that. And I think the, the German farmers... Uh, are going to be driving a tractorcade through the Brandenburg Gate in Berlin uh, at the end of September, and, and they're calling on everyone to join them. So if the green policy prevails, the, the green policy says Europe should cut its agricultural production by 30%. And they're saying, don't worry, there'll be enough food for Europe. Well, that 30% makes up about the level of exports that go from Europe to the rest of the world. So they're basically saying to the rest of the world, don't worry, we'll survive, but you'll starve. What happens if the rest of the world starts saying, we're not going to give you the raw materials you need. You're not going to get the fertilizer. You're not going to get the, the goods you need. You know, this is why I, I think we're, we're facing a, a moment of truth for humanity. And it's, it's my hope that the message that, that we at the Schiller Institute are putting out about a, a new financial, a new security architecture is starting to resonate. I know it is. And you know, there was just, I think I told you last week, there was an interview in The Hindu with Helga Zepp-LaRouche, the second leading paper in India, praising yeah. LaRouche's policies for the last 30 years <clears throat> as supporting economic development. We're seeing that, you know, there was in, in Poland, there was a, an important blog that came out and attacked the NATO countries for supporting putting the Schiller Institute on a hit list in Ukraine. Uh, Scott Ritter called it a hit list. And he said that he is very worried that Ukrainians running around the world with massive amounts of weapons are prepared to threaten him, Diane Sayre, me, and others on that list. So I think we're getting the response we need, but we really need the American people to speak out. Yes. Absolutely. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think the American people need to speak out, and I think the American people need to take a stand against this nonsense. I mean, we are seeing a, an absolute desperation uh, by these globalists, Harley, and, and, and they, they are terrified uh, at how quickly things are spinning out of their control. 
Well, V, what I would say to, I, I know that I have a lot of fans among your, your viewers and listeners. I would make sure that everybody who's listening to this start uh, listening to my daily update where I present our view of, of events in the last 24 hours. It's usually, I keep it to 10 to 12 minutes, so it's, it's relatively short and compact. Yeah. But we're now getting 50, 60, 70,000 views a day on, on Facebook. We need to get that up to a million. Yep. And I, I think activists who, who listen to your uh, network, who are involved with you in discussions, can help us do that. And if we can break the 100,000 to 200,000 level, we'll be on our way. And, and I think that's going to be necessary because the, the media is going to do everything they can to muddy the issues when we go into the midterm elections. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Very well said. Harley, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing these thoughts with us. It's very vital and very critical. Uh, folks, that you would follow Harley uh, over at LaRouche organization.com the LaRouche organization.com as well as the Schiller Institute.com Schiller Institute.com subscribe to his daily debriefs it's very very important especially it keeps you up to date and abreast of what what is going on and what is happening in this world um, that being said Harley thank you so much CJ anything you want to add uh, no uh, not for this uh, broadcast uh, Harley offline. I'll just ask you something real quick once we're once we're done. Okay. Well, thanks, and see you next week. Thank you so much. Thank you all for listening in. Take it away, CJ.